Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Trading Desk. My name is Joshua Thanos, and today I have a very special guest, a guy you've seen on our YouTube show before and on a few other YouTube shows, and that's Michael Manjos. Nice to be here, sir. Yeah. Thanks for including me. No problem. Thanks for taking the time to uh, sit and talk. Uh, It's obviously a new format. So um, I'm uh, here in sunny South Florida, and where are you located right now? I am actually in Connecticut, and it was actually not quite sunny, but it was warm today, finally, really? which was kind of nice. Nice. Fantastic. What, uh, what part yeah. of Connecticut? Uh, I don't think I've ever been. I, uh, I am in a small town called Monroe, Connecticut, which is in Fairfield County. Sounds like a, which... uh, a postcard. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very nice neighborhood. I love it up here, oh, that's, to be honest. That's fantastic. Awesome. It's not Florida, but it's a nice neighborhood. Nah, not much is Florida, good and bad, you know, so... Exactly. Cool. So, um, so today, I think it was it made a lot of sense to have you on the um, on the show today. We're about a week into the what to the quarantine, right? <laughs> the nationwide Correct. quarantine, and uh, and um, we're seeing a lot of changes in the watch world. So, I think it was a good idea to see uh, to have you on and, and talk shop because I mean, I think you're probably in terms of the one of the highest volume traders on the planet, and the guy who's got uh, probably more more experienced than anyone else. Um, so I thought it, it made a lot of sense. But before we get into our our extensive talk here, let's do a little audio-only wrist check. So, Manjos, what are you wearing on the wrist today? All right. So I am, uh, again, I'm dressed very casual, and as most days uh, lately, I've got my Batman on. Um, so I have the original piece. Um, I've had it for, I want to say, six, seven years um, didn't get it right when it came out cause it was too hot. And then, uh, once it settled down, I was able to put one in the case. Uh, I love it. I had the original GMT traded it in, uh, for the blue black. Um, I'm a blue guy. Love the watch. It's just, it's kind of beat to hell. And I love that about it. I still believe Rolex is a tool watch. And like, I hate people who like are afraid to put a scratch on it. And this guy's <laughs> been through everything with me. Um, and it's got great memories, and I love putting it on every day. That's awesome. Yeah, I've seen that watch, and yeah, true to like, you're you're not you're not exaggerating. That thing is beat the shit. Um, and I, I know when uh, last year when things went bonkers, when it was discontinued, I asked you, "Hey, time to sell?" And you said, "Hell no! I bought it when it wasn't cool, and I'm going to wear it until it's not cool still." So. Exactly. Yeah, but it is a, it is a cool. great watch. Yeah, I I, I own one as well. Watch. I I bought one uh, like because I thought it was going to get discontinued. Luckily it did. And then, uh, found a wrist for that watch. So that was nice. I, it wasn't like madly in love with it. I've, I've gone back and forth on different Rolexes right now, not at this moment, but the only Rolex in my collection, uh, currently is a, is a 42 millimeter Explorer, which like, I never thought I was going to like that watch. I tried it on in the past, never loved it. But since I got this watch, I've been obsessed with it. Like, I think I'm keeping it. Forever. I love that watch. I have the original, I have the 40 millimeter Explorer, which was uh, you know, I loved just because it was like at the time really the only white dial, um, you know, sport watch, mm-hmm. and I loved it. And I still have it. I don't wear it very much, but I still have it. Nice, nice, nice. So mine, mine's a black dial variant with the with the orange hand. I have something about black dials and orange hands or orange markers, something like that. It just plays well to me. And actually, that so that's a segue into what's on my wrist today. So I have uh, what is called a Panerai Pam Five Sixty. Um, I think. Manjos knows, and most of our our yeah. viewers from the YouTube show and now our listeners know that I'm a Panerai guy. I somehow have become 
the guy that people ask about Panerai's constantly because I'm the only person. You who, are the Panerai <laughs> expert in the office, without a doubt. It's crazy. I'm the only one who can identify Panerai's like by memory. I guess. Uh, I guess I, I can. I owe OJ Watley a debt of gratitude for that one. He, uh, <laughs> you know, my very first Panerai ever, or my very first Swiss watch ever, was a Panerai. It was a Pan 380, which was a radio mirror, which. I have in the watch box now, and it's it's actually broken. I need to get it uh, fixed. Somebody I lent it to a friend for almost a year, and he overwound it and broke the the winding mechanism. I guess I don't know, but we'll have to get that fixed. But right now on the wrist, I do have the the Pam five sixty. Um, I have it on a on a bright orange Panerai rubber strap, which I was so stoked when I saw Panerai went that direction and started making a bunch of different colors uh, rubber straps, and I think that. This one, and the, there's a green, a blue, there's so many cool colors, and it really just gives the watch so much character. So that's what I'm wearing today. And the amazing thing with those watches is they're so kind of big and stark that straps make all the difference in the world on those. Oh, yeah. I mean, you put a cool strap on that, and it's a totally different watch. Right. Well, you have a, what, a, a Panerai Pam 88, right? I have a Pam 88. Mm-hmm. And again, I often wear it on the rubber strap. I also bought the uh, that nylon, the early one. Mm. Um that they used to do on the submersible, and I oh, like the Velcro. GMT, so I've done, yeah, the Velcro. Oh yeah. god, you're the only person on the planet <laughs> to ever wear that. That was. I actually wore the Velcro. Oh god, that, I know. That strap just stays it. in the box for every other person besides you. That's so funny, man. Oh wow. Well, yeah, my, and just so I guess for continuity, uh, the Pam Five Sixty is an eight-day manual wind, um, forty-four millimeter luminor. So this is like the traditional luminor case with a flat crystal. Um, and I found that I really only like um, manual wine Panerais. So like I've I've gone through a bunch of different Panerais. Manual wine is the only one that I that I like. And it's really what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think back to the you know the Angelus and even the Rolex movements, right? Uh, you the know, they were it. big manual wine. You know, basically old pocket watch movements that they put in. Right. You know, tool watches again. Well, you know, that's which a, is kind of cool. I agree, and that's a great thing. So you're you you'll definitely know this, but not everybody knows this. That uh, there's only one brand of watch, Swiss watch, to ever share movements with Rolex, and that is what correct Panerai. That's right. Yeah. They were buying Panerai pocket watches and then repurposing them, um, putting in new dials, and but it was all with the blessing of Rolex during the uh, during World War II, though they were. Uh, they were fighting for the wrong side, but wrong side. Yeah, well, you know, we can't. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, we can certainly forgive the Italians, especially with with what's going on now. I think that they've uh, they they've paid their price uh, many they've times. They've paid over. their price. Yeah, they really are. You know, I mean, it's just it's hard to watch the news every day, but you can't. It's sad it at all. Oh and yeah, it's terrible what's going on over there. It's really yeah. bad. Yeah, but all right. Well, so that's a wrist check. Um, oh, and I guess we did mention a, a Panerai Pam 88 and our marketing team says, Hey, if you mention any watches, try to describe them as best you can. So Pam 88 so, is, go ahead. Oh, so it's my 44 millimeter automatic GMT. It's got kind of the silver sub dial. Um, I always love GMTs. It's kind of, you know, a lot of my mm-hmm. watches, I like second time zones. I travel a lot. I actually use them. Um, yeah. And it was, again, it was always the most comfortable watch I ever wore was that watch on a rubber strap because the way the lugs kind of wrap around my wrist, I got a pretty decent sized wrist. Right. Um, it's just crazy comfortable. So I would always travel with a Rolex and my Pam 88. 
Well, the Pam Idiot's good under under the cover uh, undercover watch. So if you're going to a place that maybe you don't want to yeah. be seen with a Rolex on it, yeah, you know, I traveled to some funny places and it's really <laughs> nobody really looks at what it is. So mm-hmm. whereas a Rolex, you know, no matter where you go, everybody knows what a Rolex is. Well, I, I know you, you made a trip. I I don't know if we're allowed to talk about it or not, but uh, to a uh, a certain um, uh, former communist country. <laughs> yeah, I did. So yes. did. Did you what? Did you bring your? I know that was last year. Did you bring your your Rolex or your Panerai or something? I else? always have both in my. I actually, I'm, I ended up only bringing one watch, but uh, I went from Switzerland uh, to, and we can say I went to Moscow. Ah. Um, and they told me, you know, I always have three or four watches in my backpack. I just like to. Right. I'm not comfortable if I don't have a couple <laughs> watches with me. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing. I know, but. Um, and they said, do not travel with more than one watch. So literally three other watches spent six months in the safe in Switzerland until yeah. I made it back to pick them up. I can imagine. But, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I, I'm in the same way though. Like I, I, even if I'm taking like a, if I take a quick trip to Philly, I might only ever wear one watch the whole time there, but I make sure I bring at least three, something about yeah. it. Right. I mean, if you, you have all way. these things, it's like, Hey, let's, let's take them on a trip, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they come with, well, I mean, I hate to say this and it seems kind of hokey, but it's true. I truly believe, and I guess I got this from my dad, that a watch becomes part of who you are. Mm-hmm. And, like, I know my kids know all my watches, and I know they know, like, they kind of think, associate that with me. And once my dad passed, I got a bunch of his old watches, and mm-hmm. I I still, every once in a while, about a month ago, I pulled out, he had one of these giant Movado chronographs. I mean, it's oh, like, wow. the, and I remember being a young kid, sitting at the table, staring at that watch. And I always associate that with my dad. Hmm. And it's just one of those things that, you know, people who don't wear watches or don't get into it, um, they don't understand. I get, I don't trade and get rid of a lot of stuff because I tend to get attached to them. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my, yeah. So I try to, if I, if I don't feel an attachment to a watch after like a month or two, then I, then I start considering. I'm trade. the same way. Right. right. If I'm going to get rid of it, it's going to be almost instantaneous. But I mean, I've got my first Rolex two-tone blue which i got in the crown club for selling rolexes Mm -hmm. i've got i got my deep sea which i used to wear all the time and my explorers i mean i have four rolexes and i don't really tend to get rid of them jeez well there you go how's that for a risk check that's a a, a state of the collection there no no (laughs) we we went we did a state of the collection that was great so that's awesome all right well let's kind of get into it a little bit well uh for those who don't know mike manjo so mike why don't you kind of like i know your background You've been in the industry forever. It seems like when we go to these IWJG watch shows and we, we meet other dealers, every single person knows Manjos. So um, why don't you give me like a quick rundown of your, your kind of background and who like who you are yeah. in the watch world so people can understand. Yeah, no, I mean, again, I was kind of brought up in this. My dad was a watchmaker. Um, literally started working in his jewelry store when I was 11 years old. I used to polish cases and replace crystals and, you know, worked there through high school Went to college in Connecticut, got a part-time job in a jewelry store, um, started selling Rolexes back in 1983, uh, you know, wow. working weekends and nights. Um, Before I was born, by and, the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, uh, you know, stayed in Connecticut, and I worked at that store and ran that store for 16 years, and then went to another store in Connecticut, uh, which is probably one of the biggest ones in the country. Uh, selling Rolex and Paddock and Longa um, and was there 18 years and then two years ago uh, decided to saw what Watchbox was doing right. uh, and the way the world was going and 
came and met the, the guys and the place and said, uh, this is the future and this is kind of fun. Yeah. And, you know, kind of gave up the suit and tie of after 30 years. And, uh, you know, Thank now God. I get to hang out in jeans and trade watches and, you know, teach guys. And, you know, I'm kind of the historian, I guess, in the office because I'm probably the oldest guy there who's been doing it. Um, so, you know, when the stuff comes in from the 80s and 90s that some of the younger guys have never seen, yep. I'm like, man, just what is this thing? <laughs> <laughs> and I can tell them the story because I sold it brand new. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's the craziest so, thing. When, when you, we see, like, these crazy watches, like, well, so one thing that I've kind of noticed just by, like, listening to you talk and everything about, like, how things were back in the 80s, like, and I've talked to other customers about this, too. It was, like, Rolex and Cartier. That was kind of it, Right. Well, back then, and then then it became eBay was like a phenomenon mm-hmm. like you've never seen. Really? Um, yeah. That's eBell why you freak out like, whenever oh, you see like one of those watches. <laughs> oh my God! It's yeah. It's like it brings back memories because like it was the golden child, and oh. Rolex was Rolex, and then you know a couple of guys would have paddocks, but like you know you're really serious doctors and like very formal, you know, older gentlemen. Uh, you know, it was a gentleman's watch. You know what I mean? It's like a regular guys on the street didn't wear paddock. Nobody knew what it was. Well, I feel uh, like every paddock was like a fifty-one nineteen or something like that. That's kind of like, well, yeah, like back then it was a thirty-nine nineteen. It was well, even before it so was, but it was go. also that, and it was the thirty-eight hundred, the ellipses. Right. You know, it was the, the ellipse. Every weekend in the New York Times, there was a paddock ad, and it was either a thirty-nine nineteen or an ellipse. So, so no Nautilus, no Aquanaut. Nobody, <laughs> Nautilus, Aquanaut didn't exist. Nautilus came out in the late seventies, but again, it was. You know, a three thousand dollar steel watch, which was unheard of. Right, it's a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, for twelve hundred dollars, you got a Rolex, and you know, it was kind of like nobody knew what Paddock was. So the Nautiluses, which is why they're so rare, um, it was not something that was they produced a lot of or sold a lot of. Same thing with the the APs or the early ones. Right. You know, really cool, but so out of the blue. Um, you know, when I started in the late seventies, working for my dad. He was an Omega dealer, loved Omegas. They had the cool, you know, it was all about moon watches and plow profs and really funky stuff. But, you know, the quartz revolution was going to end the business. You know, it was like, go find a real job because, you know, no one's going to need a watch. (laughs) So I've been through 30 years of the business was going to end. Right. Um, And it just doesn't. It just, you know, there comes to be a certain attachment to it and a niche that goes on. I guess that, that's a great segue into, I guess, more market talk here. So uh, so I guess I'll ask you bluntly, you know, is the, is the watch world going to end? The watch world is definitely not going to end. Um, okay. This is, I've been through a number of crises in my days. I mean, I started, you know, in 91 when the world was going to end, 2000 was the world was going to end, 03, you know, dot-com bubble. And then it really did end uh, in late 08. Right. Um, I was working in Greenwich, Connecticut at the time. Our, all of our main customers were hedge fund guys. We dealt with the biggest hedge fund guys in the world. And Jesus. literally, you know, the chairman of Merrill Lynch was in town. The chairman of Bear Stearns was a client. And, you know, these guys lost everything. Wow. And literally companies went out almost overnight. And nobody knew what was going to happen because, you know, liquidity was gone. There was no systems. Bailouts were never heard of a thing. You know, a bailout didn't exist before then, really. Huh. Yeah, you're right. Um, so people weren't sure what was going to happen. And I mean, our business went in half overnight. It just stopped. 
and hmm. then everybody just needed to sell when it went from being you know the best of times to the worst of times. Right. But nobody Overnight. knew where we were going to be in three months, six months, five years. You know, what was going to come out of this? I feel the big difference today is we were in the best of times again. I mean, it was as good of times yeah. in the watch business and in the economy that I can remember since 07, 08. Last three years um, has been bonkers, right? Unbelievable fun. I mean, it was easy. I mean, you had so many new companies pop up, new brands pop up. I mean, you could just, anything was becoming successful. And now we've got this, you know, global pandemic. Right. Um, everybody's in a panic. Every asset class has gone down. Everything. I mean, I watched the market and it was crazy to watch because, you know, Stocks are going down, bonds going down, gold's going down, the dollar's going down. <laughs> These things are supposed to go down in correlation to each other. You know, when when the stocks go down, usually gold goes up. You know, when the dollar goes down, gold goes up. But everything was just dropping. So People it's just, just a total it. flight to cash, hmm. which was an interesting thing. And then the thing that I keep seeking back, and we have a lot of conversations about this, is... We have offices all over the world, which is great. So, you know, we've been dealing with this in Hong Kong for since January. Yeah, and I talk to them at least three times a week. We're on the phones, and it's getting back to normal eight weeks later in Hong Kong. People yeah. are back in restaurants. We're doing business. So we know that there's a course of this thing. There's another side so of it. it. Yeah, there's another side of it. There, it might be two months, three months, six months. Who knows? But... It's gonna, it's gonna change. It's gonna come back. Hmm. So the question is now: Okay, we know this is not a global forever situation. This is a temporary situation, right. and it's it's as pandemic and as large as we've ever seen. And I think that's what's scaring people because again, everybody's affected. Mm -hmm. There is no place to hide. Um, you know, it's in Connecticut, it's in New York, it's in Philly, it's in Hong Kong, it's in Italy, um, but it's going to clear so the question becomes now if you sit here today and don't panic and say where do we think where would I want to be in six months mm -hmm. so six months from now or a year from now uh, from a watch standpoint it's like what would I really want to own yeah and you know is there an opportunity now to own it cheaper I mean you and I were talking you know yesterday it's like hey you know we're all kind of looking now at stocks and saying hey you know yeah. <laughs> what's Feasting. really good that's just yeah, um, our been beaten right to death. Yeah, and the smart people, especially people who are now sitting home with a lot of time on their hands, mm -hmm. I know they're going to start doing the same thing. So we've seen the prices come down on, I would say, almost everything. 75, uh, no, say 85% of, of every yeah. watch class. I mean, it, well, well, you'll see different ones. I think that's what I'm noticing is it, there's different support levels in terms of just like a, with a stock of where people were buying things. So you see like the newer releases that have been hot for the shortest amount of time are the ones that have been, it seems like they drop quick, right? Um, and then you also get to see like uh, what watches that people were just buying because they thought it was going to go up in value as opposed to the Correct. ones that people actually like. Instead of loving it. Exactly. I had, so I had this conversation with our global CEO this morning. You know, mm -hmm. I've never been um, an Aquanaut guy. You know, you mentioned Aquanauts before. So, but I've sold them for years and it was a, it was an 18, you know, when I started selling them, it was a $10,000 watch and then it became an $18,000 watch. And it was a watch that, you know, would sit in the case and when you wanted one, you'd get it and not everybody loved it. 
Um, and then suddenly, two years ago, and forward, it's a $35,000 watch. <laughs> Like what? Why is that? Look, people's tastes right, and people magically changed, it. or <laughs> yeah. But the, what was happening, and you know what happens, is the guy's like, "Oh, I can get one, and I know it's worth more than I'm paying. So even though I don't love it, I'll wear it for a little bit. I'll show my friends that I have it, and you don't, and right. then, and then I'll make money, and I'll get it something I really love. Mm-hmm. But I think we're gonna get back to now, which I kind of like. Of getting back to like you know you and me looking at our wrist going I love that watch yeah. real collectors real collectors real guys who are passionate going hey maybe now is the time to get what I really love that's a little cheaper than it was six months ago well we're seeing that what I'm having conversations I have not talked about more longas than I have in the last like three days and it's, it's funny we've done exceptionally well with longa and again yeah cheating on my background when I was when I moved to Greenwich, um, we were one of the biggest paddock dealers in the country. And I went to Basel and saw Langa and just lost it. Huh. And, you know, I just loved the stuff. And, uh, you know, I kept telling my boss at the time, you know, we need Langa. He's like, we don't need Langa, we have paddock. Uh-huh. Who, would bu- who would buy pad- with Langa when there's a paddock next to it? And I said, you got to just, you know, you got to get into it and look and you'll understand. And... Uh, we went over to Germany and got to meet the guys and meet the people and see the passion and the quality. And, you know, he's like, we need long. I'm like, no kidding. <laughs> and <laughs> since then, you know, since the early 2000s, um, I've been certainly, you know, super passionate about long. I've been there four times. Um, you cannot help but catch the bug when you meet the people and see the passion that goes into it. And I've been to the paddock factory, and it's super impressive, and it's super sterile, and it's super serious. And, like, when you go to Langa, like, you're hanging out at 7 o'clock because you showed some interest, and the guy working on it wanted to talk to you for two hours and show you what he was doing. And, like, I love that. I mean, we get that at work. You know, like, yeah. I've watched guys at work hanging out for an extra hour because something really cool came in. And wow. passion is something you can't fake. And I was just, I love that about that brand and the guys who run it, is that there's some people sitting in east middle of nowhere Germany <laughs> who just love what they're doing. And well, they're like I don't part know, of, I get they're artisans, up. right? That's, that's kind of the feeling that I get when I see a, a longa, is that like it's been made by an artisan. Um, yeah, it's... As it's, opposed to like it's, manufactured, you know? But it's an unusual artisan because, again, when you think of... German manufacturing, uh, you know, the first thing that pops in me is like everything's solid, it's quality, it's, right. you know, almost rigid, it's not artisan, is like, you know, I think of cars, you know, love BMWs, I'm a big Audi guy, um, everything just seems to fit and finish and I know what I'm getting and I know it's solid and I know it's everything about it. But Langa somehow like slid in either a little Eastern European thing or that, you know, uh, passion of the Italians that, you know, you get the beauty in it as well, but on the inside. Yeah. You know, well, you the, flip di- those the dials are fantastic, or, but, but yeah, those movements are those like movements, fireworks. I mean, right? it's just, oh my God, you just go into it and you flip it over and you're like, oh my God. And the fact that, like, if you could ever see Helmut's face when you bring a Langa there and he's the head engraver <laughs> okay. and they've got six people in a room and they hand engrave everyone and they can tell you 
they'll take the watch off your wrist, flip it over, and they'll go, oh, helmet, that's yours. Oh, this one's yours. <laughs> and there's such pride in it. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's just, I, I love the place. I love the brand. And I think it's just underappreciated as well. So I, you know, yeah. when I know when I came first came to Watchbox, they're like, ah, we don't like Lambda. You know, it's like, okay. Well, Aww. now they're starting to like it. Is when we're, <laughs> I think we're one of the biggest Lambda dealers in the world now, which is great. And you've totally caught the bug, and Jason's yeah. caught the bug. Uh, well, so I'll I can see this. it spreading. When I was at Watch You Want, when I had just started in the watch world, and I'm still just learning about things, and obviously I'm learning from O.J. Watley, who has a very different perspective than you do, and... Uh, I think he appreciates longer now, but I don't think he appreciated it too much back then. So um, I remember having, I want to say it was like a grand, like a, a grand Lang moon or something like this. Is this, okay, I don't yeah. even know if this is a model. Right. So, um, and I remember looking at the watch and thinking that the crystal was so flat and the dial so wide and like so, like just beautiful that it looks like you could reach through the crystal and touch the dial. And I remember just staring at it thinking like, like this, something, there's something very special about this, uh, about this watch. And then you know, fast forward, probably five years from now, then now I'm here talking to you, and you've probably sold more longas than than anybody else on the planet at this point. <laughs> With what you, well, I've sold bought, my share, bought more too. Yeah, I mean, I I've know definitely just, bought more than anybody. Yes, like you bought more like last month than anybody ever had. I know you you, you picked up a huge. We did buy the best collection we ever bought. I've ever oh bought my it. God. You know. And it's fun. And I honestly still have a good relationship. I mean, uh, Matt, who's the VP in the States, is a good friend and, you know, helps us out with archives and helps us out with information. And, you know, I think they respect what we do. Um, and I think they respect, uh, even though we're not a dealer for them, because mm -hmm. uh, they have so few globally, but they <laughs> definitely pay attention to what we're doing and, you know, understand that guys who support it and are actively trading it actually helped the brand because you know the you judge a brand or i've spoken to a lot of the brand presidents and it's like how the secondary market performs says a lot about the brand and you know their quality's great and we've seen passion in the brand but it's like they want to see the secondary market do better and there's still great value there because to me you know you can buy a lot of longas that are pretty cool and special for well under what they retailed for even oh, yeah. 10 years ago. A fraction. A, a fraction. Lot, a lot of yeah. cases, yeah. It's crazy. And I don't think that'll always be the place. I mean, Jorn was like that seven or eight years ago until Danny yeah. did what he's done. I mean, you know, right. a motivated group of people that educate and passion um, and capital <clears throat> helps too because you're willing yeah. to put your money into it. Well, um, in cooperation from the brand as well. And that's the thing. So, like, you're seeing now, I feel like more more brands are are having to understand the resale market, right? Like when I started in 2012, um, the the sense was that like the brands, not only did they not care about the resale market, they almost like it was like abhorrent to them. Like they, they thought they it was They looked down like, upon uh, it a little bit, yeah. Yeah, they, they were like, this is, this isn't, the watches are meant to be bought, not to be sold, you know, resold. So like, <clears throat> uh, I think now like AP, remember, um, well, right when Godbergs bought Watchbox, or sorry, Watch You Want, which then became Watchbox, AP um, was interested in, in uh, getting into it. Right. right. So I went and spent some time up there and I, I was kind of getting the feel for them I, as to like, they, like, it was so funny because like for, for me, and I'm a kid, I was like, what was I, at that time I was like 25 right. <laughs> or 26. 
maybe 27. So uh, I was there and I'm sitting there around these people from who from you know AP, which I just assume they must have their shit together if they're you know they're AP. They know so they they must know what they're doing. Well, I mean, not saying that they didn't, they don't, but it was more about like they were trying to figure things out same way we were, and like I'm teaching them just basic sales concepts in terms of talking to customers and being able to like you know convey why a watch is worth what it's worth or whatever, especially in a situation where they sold the watch and they're buying it back because at that point they were only buying back their own watches, right. Right. But so, you know, they were like almost amazed at some of these tactics or tactics of some of these methods, like normal sales methods that have been around forever, but maybe I, I have to... Well, they never went like, to the watch business and it was... That's very right. Swiss of them is... Swiss, okay, you know, good. It's very Swiss that, you know, you don't... And even when I'm dealing with sometimes the Swiss office, you have to remember that, you know, me and you, and like, Swiss. <laughs> we're passionate. We talk how we feel. We express it. They are very, you know, careful. They're very measured. They don't want to offend. You know, we offend people all the time. I mean, that's like, I yes, it's a sport. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like, it's what sometimes if you ask me my opinion, I'm going to tell you. You know, it's oh, I. Yeah. I always laughed, and some of my clients tell me that they're like, they're like, "Oh, do you like this?" I'm like, "No, nah, not really." <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm too old to lie anymore. I can't remember what I told you. I'm just gonna tell you the truth, and then I know what it is. Um, but it's just yeah. it's such a different world today, and now the brands realize that there's so much information out there. There's so much interest out there that you know you kind of have to connect and clients want to talk about watches and understand the secondary market it's like when i started doing this in the 80s you know you you'll understand this but it's like you would get a watch on trade-in and you had to call half a dozen guys to try to figure out what it was worth you couldn't (laughs) google it you couldn't you know we used to have these books that had you know I used, I still have some of them that are like you know two hundred pages long with all these different models, but you'd see a watch you'd never seen, and have to go flipping manually through auction catalogs in your Jesus. library to try to figure out what it was worth. So it's like so, the KBB for watches or something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it was just like okay, and then you know you'd call three of your friends and you'd find one guy who was an expert on a certain brand, and you know people would call me about certain things because I knew some of the vintage paddock stuff and you know we had a pocket watch guy and everybody had expertise that and they shared information and well, you know was, the internet has taken a little bit of that away like guys oh, come yeah. in and six months later they think they know watch values well <laughs> just because you can google doesn't mean you really know watch values because you know right. just you because on the, the internet buyer. doesn't mean it's true right Right. That's the thing. I mean, one thing that it took me a little while to learn, but you have to understand who is going to buy this watch. And if you ask that question, so right. like that, that's, that's probably the first question you should ask yourself when, when, if you're buying like in our business as a dealer, buying a, a, uh, a watch for resale, it's like, who's going to buy this? All right. And if you can easily come up with the answer, then it's probably, the watch is probably going to hold up uh, hold really a hold better well. value right. than a watch that, right. Then a, a watch where if you buy a DeWitt Turbion, and right. uh, you know Fuse chain or whatever. You look at it and say, I can't think of the guy who'd want to buy this. Well, I mean, listen, I I think people have heard my my dis- disdain for Dewitt. I don't know how you feel about it. I don't. <laughs> I, I I hate. It's DeWitt, not my so. thing. Yeah, it's not my <laughs> thing at all. I mean, I'm a pretty conservative guy, as you know, and you know, yeah. there's a lot of things I love that is definitely not on the list. Um, I don't I mind small three brands. Guys. But it's like, yeah, there's three guys who will buy Dewitt on the planet, and I know two of them. 
So, <laughs> well, the fun you know. part is also, and you know, I know you're probably better than this at anybody is knowing your clients and having a relationship with your clients. It's like we just mm-hmm. bought a very cool lot of Daytonas in Hong Kong this week. Oh yeah, and again, it's it's the middle of the world's biggest global pandemic, and you know. I'm buying half a dozen cool Daytonas. <laughs> you know, and the my, the CEO and the CFO were looking at me like I got four heads. I'm like, just relax. And literally in four hours, I sold two of them because I knew 20 years ago, I sold a Sodalite Daytona on a strap to one of my, you know, good friends because I consider him a friend now and he's been a client of mine for 25 years. And I knew that, you know, when I saw this Grossler, I was like, I know exactly who's going to buy that. Because it goes, it's the perfect sister to the one he's had for 15 years. That he paid, you know, I think he paid $17,000 for that one, and now it's worth thirty five. Wow. You know Jesus. what I mean? But he was way ahead of, when I bought that the first time, I think I had it the week before I sold it to him, but it was like, I'm like, I don't know who's going to buy this, because back then, <laughs> you know, a sodalite diamond dial Daytona was not something that everybody walked in and bought. It's like a... Uh, Elton John watch back then. Probably. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> especially in Greenwich, Connecticut. You know what I mean? That was a oh, pretty God, flashy man. watch for Greenwich, Connecticut. So I worked in Miami, especially in Miami. Miami, you had a much you better had shot. A lot of buyers. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, that's I the fun imagine. stuff: is knowing clients, having relationships with clients. I mean, I talked to three or four of my guys today just because we're all home bored a little bit. Right. And mm-hmm. you know, I love my wife and my kids, but it's like at some point, you know. <laughs> 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, I need to, I need to break. Right. Yeah. No, it's, uh, well, so yeah, definitely for me, I always took the standpoint cause I've always like kind of been in sales. Uh, so I, it was, you're one of the most natural born salesmen I've ever met in my life. <laughs> I appreciate that. You could talk to any, no, I'm serious. I mean, <laughs> we haven't known each other that long. I feel very Two close. Years. Two years. Yeah. And I mean, you know, yeah, we sat across from each other for, you know, Nine months of that, and it's like right. quickly became, you know, connected because, you know, there's something you well, have. That's... You know what it is? And I'll tell you exactly. It's passion. And it's not just about watches. You're just one of those people who gets up in the morning, <laughs> yeah. I feel like, and is passionate. And I love yeah, that. Yeah, sometimes I wake up on fire, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've been accused. <laughs> Most days, I think, you know. Yeah, but that's something yeah, yeah. that's, people like that. And I think people Some like people... that about watches. It's like when yeah. you talk to somebody, like I've talked to guys who will know every technical detail about every watch there is and can't sell a watch to save their life because they can't connect with somebody. Right. And they have no, like, there's no passion. Yeah, you can read a book and study and know every, you know, bead and movement and screw that's in a watch, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't love what you're doing or care about the person who you're talking to about it. Yeah, because they well, yeah, it comes across. Person, that's for sure. Yeah, you're definitely a people person, and I think that helps. Well, that's one thing that I love about watches that, that there's a community, and I've talked about this and with other guys and whatnot, but uh, about how uh, social media has allowed just just broaden the, the watch community, um, you know, across every border, and like now, you know, like. Uh, I have guys from Australia, from UK, from South Africa, from China, reaching out to me saying, hey, you know, I saw this episode, tell me what you think about this watch, whatever, whatever. And, you know, that's one of the best things about watches, in my opinion, is a community. So um, we're getting off topic a little bit, not that we really have a serious <laughs> Oops, topic sorry. here. We're just, we do have a serious topic, not. and we just digressed a little. 
Well, so well in terms of buying watches, so you know that's this is one thing that I'm having a lot of conversations uh, right now is that you know is it a good time to buy? Is it a good time to sell? So I know that a lot of uh, a lot of dealers right now are trying to figure out what's happening. So when you're in the business of speculative buying, right? right. When when there's huge uncertainty, what do you do? Well, I mean, the first thing that, and again, we saw this, you know, back in 08 and 09, was, right. you know, almost every brand dropped except Rolex. Because right. what often you'll see is a flight to safety. So, you know, if in doubt and you want to buy a watch, obviously, you know, Rolex was the strongest brand going in. Rolex is probably going to be one of the strongest brands coming out. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you can buy a watch that you loved and it's at less money and it's a safe bet, then, you know, that's certainly the way people approach it. I think that's the way people are approaching the stock market as well. They're going to look at, you know, these blue chip companies that have gotten clobbered and be like, hey, you know, I'm probably not going to make a mistake there. So if I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy safe. You also get guys who now say, okay, maybe it's the time to look at the Grail watch. The problem you have is, you know, a lot of guys want to trade, and it's a tough time to trade because, obviously, the market is down a little bit. And, you know, yeah, you're going to get a little less probably for what you're trading. But, again, if you're trading into something that you're going to love forever or keep forever, then, you know, to me, that's the right time to make that trade right. or purchase outright. It's just like this is probably the best time to buy that we've seen in the last five years. Right. And that's I, the thing. So, like, I had a conversation with a guy today about, you know, he, he's, uh, you know, he's not a guy who's going to be hurting for cash. He can, you know, he'll, like, like a lot of our customers, you know, they're going to survive this, you know, if this thing lasts, whether this thing lasts three months or realistically like a year or so, I mean, he's going to survive this. So he's, right. he's not panicked. He's got some watches that he bought <clears throat> thinking that they were either going to be investments or kind of thinking that he was maybe going to wear them. And then, you know, it didn't happen, just like it happens to all of us. So he, was, he wants to buy uh, a Longa, which I was giving him, like, a ridiculous deal. Like, it it made me feel bad about how little I was selling him the watch. <laughs> so I gave him a price. And he's like, and so he goes, yeah, I understand. But, you know, it, I, 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 in order to be, like, for him to feel comfortable making the purchase, he needs to sell right. his watch. So, like, you know, I'm, I'm telling him, like, the, the only problem is that, you know, he's taking advantage of the price that I'm selling him the watch at. But you're going to lose that advantage if you trade now too because the watch you're selling me is going to be subject to the same kind of market. So that's the tough part. Um, and if money's no object, I don't have those conversations with some people, right? I don't like to spend other people's money. No, so, I understand that. And again, I mean, I I hate the money's no object thing because I don't yeah. care who you are. I've dealt with some of the richest guys in the world. I, you know, I sold a Rolex today to literally a billionaire. And, mm -hmm. and you know, and, and he breaks my you-know-what's on price too. And that's okay, and I respect that. But it's also, yeah, some of these that. guys is like, I know with like, my wife looks at me when I come home with a new watch, he's like, you know, didn't you get mm -hmm. rid of one? Sometimes mm -hmm. it's just a matter of like, I've got stuff that's yeah. sitting in the drawer that I haven't worn in five years. Does it really matter if it's up 10% or down 10%? Probably not. If you're never going to wear it again and it's been sitting for five years anyways, then get rid of it is the way I look at it. If it's something you use yeah. and still like, then keep it. Um, sure. I hate stuff that sits in drawers. I don't believe, you know, I'm not one guy who believes in investment. Uh, to me, my investment is I get to, I get a dividend every day I have a watch on because I smile every time I look at it and I wear it. And that's the return I get. And if it holds value, I'm happy. That's great. But it's not why I'm buying it. I buy it because it makes me happy. 
Um, right. And there's few things that I have. I mean, I'm not a fancy clothes guy. I'm not a, you know, I do like my cars, but, um, you know, the watch is something that sticks with me and I feel like becomes part of who I am. And that's just how I've been brought up with it. Sure. So, um, that's you know, true. the investment part the of it only- is great. The only other thing on the other side of that is that, and I think we can both agree, like some people just don't want to feel like they're just giving it away. Right. right? That's, oh, absolutely. That's the only reason. So, so hold and, on and, to it know, then. That, I mean, again, if you right, don't need to, think, yeah. you know, if you don't need to sell, then I would say hang on to it because, again, I think in three months you're going to see an mm-hmm. uptick. But there's yeah. definitely buying opportunities. We all know that. We all know there's <sighs> yeah. buying opportunities in the stock market. The hard part is it takes real guts to buy right now. It, I mean, does. it does. I've been, I mean, I've been it's buying like, on the stock market, and it's, it's yeah. a little, like, even it's though little, it seems like, well, you, you, I, you convince yourself that it's a home run, and then right when you're about to do it, you're like, this is a home run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's true. I mean, I had this conversation. Bill in our office had a gentleman looking at a really cool Longa Turbion, and it's literally a watch. And I've, again, seen a lot of Longas, trade a lot of Longas. I've, this is the second one I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it's at a ridiculously good value in my opinion yeah and you know he's like oh you know i'm hesitating about it. i'm like why are you hesitating about it i mean do you need the money for something else you know you might never see another one or it might be five years before you see another one so if it's something you've always wanted you got to have the guts enough and confidence to go for it um the beauty of it i mean again i'm just like to me it's like this is global but we're also the u.s i mean we somehow managed to figure our way out of every catastrophe crisis, you know, um, right. We always come back stronger. It really just happens over and over again. And at some point you got to, you got to just believe that, you know, we're going to figure this out. You know, we're going to come out of it stronger. It's like people, I feel like I was out today, you know, out at the grocery store and out around. And I feel like you're getting that spirit that we got a little bit after nine 11, where we're, we're in this together and everybody right. feels like, you know, Hey, maybe I should be a little nicer today because, <laughs> you know, we're all yeah, suffering yeah. a little bit and you know, this is kind of a reset. Um, you know, it's funny to that point. Like I was thinking about this and like, uh, one thing that I've, I've, I've had discussion, I think you and I have talked about this once or twice, but I think like one of the main issues, especially in a, like in the U S is that like, we don't all have like a shared experience. So it's hard to say like, hard to like feel like a community with people who you know don't live a completely different life than you whereas Correct. some other countries where it's either a monoculture or or uh, or like a shared history or something like that so you know i've always i've talked about you know if i could do it again i'd probably go into the military and i think like mandatory military service it would actually be good for the country from a cultural standpoint this is my theory but when things like this happen it like it it creates a shared experience for now it's literally the entire world correct so yeah, I mean, obviously, it's, you know, as long as we can stop from blaming each other, because there's some. Yeah, and again, I think that's even even that's calming down. I mean, I think everybody's yeah. realizing that. Hey, you know, we're gonna work a little together here. I saw it today on the news. It's like some, you know, actually, some Democrats are actually talking to Republicans, and it's like, oh my God, right. what a night, what novel idea. We're like, we're Americans first. We're all global in this world. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we're gonna come back. Um, the other thing is, we're going to get really bored in the next week or two, I can promise you. Yeah. And that's what I was telling a lot of people in the office today. It's like, you know, brush up, you know, ask questions, look online, see what you got, you know, talk to people. Even if you're not willing to buy, I mean, I got time now to talk that I don't often yeah. have. 
You know what I mean? It's like sometimes, like I one of my guys call me in the office. It's like I called you three times. I'm like, I'm sorry, man, but it's like, you know, it's me. I had meetings. Guys, had... that's me. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, you like, haven't answered I'm my call two days because I've like, been busy. It's like, call me, please. <laughs> no, even worse, you're calling me. You just called me twice today just to say, hey, what's up? I was like. What man, what have I done wrong, man, Joe? <laughs> I did do that, didn't I? Oops. Yeah, you're spooking people, man. But uh, no, I mean, yeah. So it's obviously like this is this is unprecedented. It's bizarre. I mean, I have a so I have a daughter who's gonna be who's doing about two two weeks, right? My wife's pregnant, and you know this is this is what's going through our heads, like telling my daughter in 20 years from now, like what this was all about. And right, and you were born in the middle. I mean, in the middle of you know the global pandemic, you're gonna get the best you know gift of life of ever. I mean, there's nothing better right. than I got three boys, and you know now they're all home. Yeah. We haven't all been together <laughs> since January for three or four days. I mean, we're never all under the same roof. And I know we're going to look yeah. back in five years and say, hey, remember when we all hung out for a week and wanted to kill each other? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's going to be some long-lasting effects, I think, culturally of this stuff. But So back to watches. Yes. Um, so you met, you said that you think, uh, like, so during 2008 and in the past when there was issues in terms of like, yeah. the course crisis or whatever, Rolex was in it. Flight, and came flight out to safety. Um, so, you'll see the bigger pieces. I mean, guys who stepped up. Like, I had a couple of my guys who were able to get, you know, back then, um, 5970s were like the hottest thing. And okay. literally we'd get two or three a year and they were waiting list watches. And back then there wasn't a lot of waiting list watches. Um, but those were things you just couldn't get. And then suddenly... 2008? Yeah, exactly. I mean, in the fall of 2008, mm-hmm. when everything crashed, suddenly you could get almost anything you wanted in a new watch. And right. there were some guys who just stepped up and said, yeah, I'll take it. And, you know, you were surprised because you were almost embarrassed to make the call. Like when the piece comes right. in, you're like, you know, well, the market <laughs> the just dropped 40% yeah. yesterday. And it's like, I got to call the guy and tell him, you know, his $90,000 watch that he's been waiting for just came in. <laughs> hope he's not standing on like the ledge of his. Right, of exactly. His, uh, but I mean, the guys who did pull the trigger back then and, you know, probably bought a little uh-huh. aggressively and made some, you know aggressive offers but got pieces you know certainly never looked back and said you know oh i wish i didn't do that then um so you think that right now uh waiting lists watches or those waiting lists are going to be clear i don't know if it's going to clear i mean i had this i had a discussion today with a friend of mine who's probably the biggest you know definitely the biggest rolex dealer in san francisco um Mm -hmm. And a big paddock dealer, and he's like, you know, I got a four-year waiting list of fifty-one sixty-seven. So he said, I don't think they're going to clear, but right. you know, you might have a three-month list or a six-month list instead of yeah. having a four-year list. And I think what we'll see is, you know, a lot of the retailers are closed now. So you know, they come back after maybe a couple weeks, a month, six weeks. They're going to need to move some inventory. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, so maybe I'll get that call for my no date. Sale yeah, exactly. So I mean, I think there'll be more availabilities on things. And again, you know, Daytona's always been a waiting list watch. You know, Perpetual uh-huh. Chronos were always a waiting list watch. But I mean, they're typically, over the years, was, you know, a very select few models, not like 20 models that were waiting list watches. And so... <laughs> Anything made in steel. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, I hate to tell you, over but... 36 you know, millimeter. A steel, a steel Air King is not that cool that I should have to wait for. <laughs> and certainly not a steel right. sub. 
I mean, you know, should, yeah. Should should I have to pay eleven thousand dollars for a steel sub? sub? No, you should not. You oh. should be able to yeah. ask very nicely to your local AD on a steel sub and be able to get one in a reasonable period of time. I'm sorry. Right. Anybody yeah, should be able crazy. to, and I gotta believe that that's a correction we will see. Now, will you so, be able to get a, a Daytona? No. Will you get a Blue Milk House? Okay, so, no. But will you get so GTs then, and Air Kings and that kind of stuff? Yeah. That's my question then. So. So say we fast forward three months, screw it. Let's be a little bit more realistic. Say six months from now. Right. And this is over. There's no more threat of, of this horrible virus spreading through the world. And now we're in, a, we're in another crazy bull market, right? So people are now just trying to make up. Yeah, they're going to have itchy and people are going to want to go out and spend. And the consumers drive the economy. Right. So So does a white dollar they want to get to 30 grand? Stainless steel. That's a great question. <laughs> They were at 26 just like a month They ago. were at 26. I don't think it does. Okay. I think it... So you it, think it stays under 30? I think it stays under 30. Will it get to 27 and 28 in the hype and drive? Yeah, it could. But I, I do believe that there's enough of them out there that that's, that might be a stretch. But I think it'll... Will it come back to where it was 100%? And will it creep up so even you, more? Yes. So do you also see then? I guess before that happens, say say we're we're just you know we're not at, not through the worst of it now. We're about a week into like a basically a nationwide quarantine type scenario. So do you see a white dial Daytona under twenty then, like on say a place like Chrono Twenty Four, like where where people are advertising these for sale for under twenty? Um, I think we'll be very close to there. Yeah, I think I think sure. that's more likely than it being thirty. Okay. I do think you'll get there. So, I mean, you know, <clears throat> I saw a couple today at 22. Um, you know, and again, right, two or three weeks ago, it was 25, 26. So, you know, they've come down. Yep. Um, and there's going to be more pain in the next 10 days. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I really, uh, I was talking to our CEO today, and I said, I'm going to sit on my hands as best as humanly possible for the next 7 to 10 days. And then I'm, I'm going to be ready to go hard because I think – in the next 10 days, I think you're going to see some more corrections, and then mm -hmm. I think we'll bottom out. That's my feeling. And That's your prediction. Yeah, and two or three weeks ago, I told him where I thought things would start going, and so far, I've been pretty close. You know, we started seeing some dealer struggles in the last couple of days. Um, you know, smaller dealers need capital. And, you know, oh, yeah. the, the good thing about our company is we're big enough that, you know, if we didn't sell anything for the next month, we'd be fine. You know, but yeah, there's, there's guys not a lot of guys today. They're not eating. Oh, there's a lot of guys. Well, think about some of these internet companies that we become comfortable with. You know, the real, real, mm -hmm. and um, you know, Touch of Modern, and some of these guys who Crown are out, Crown and Caliber, who are out there, who you know, mostly are VC money and mm -hmm. aren't profitable. So right. you know, they were getting supported by guys who had this vision of this growing and growing and growing. Well, suddenly yeah. revenue goes away. Now those guys lost and you have like, 30% of their yeah. value in, in, a, in the stock market. And somebody the, told me today week. that like the real real has 1,750 employees. What? Yes. And uh, how would you so like to make that payroll and not be taking in any wow. revenue? You know what I mean? 17, uh, they're going to be asking for a bailout. Right, exactly. Like. And they're like, you know, so, you know, at some point someone's going to look at this and go stop the bleeding. That can't. How the hell? Seventeen. Yes. I think what we, do we have? Do we have two hundred and like fifty global employees? I was gonna say right? we're in the low two hundreds, and that's with you low know low two hundred, and that's with offices in you know six different countries. 
Um, so, I mean, wow. yeah, no, I don't know how they got that big, but this is some of these things grow in times that are good. Control. Well, what happens is, again, it's times are good, money's cheap. <clears throat> you know, you've got people who want to invest and want to be part of, you know, the Internet story, uh, you know, uh, but they're not Amazon. <laughs> I mean, well, the last, that's one thing we've talked about. The last, like, three or four years has kind of spoiled a lot of people. And, like, luckily, I got in before that. Um, you know, I was kind of, I was at the end of, I guess, 2012, the, the, like, the economy still wasn't great, you know, but it was kind of making its turn. Yeah, right? exactly. So, but watches were, I don't, I'm trying to think if I knew if there was any watches that were over retail besides like a Panerai Bronzo. Um, when I Daytona's were always, I mean, Daytona's have been over retail since, like right yeah, since like 87 when they introduced the new one. But I mean, I, I remember selling some Daytonas below retail too, like depending on what they were and stuff. So like nothing like what we're seeing no. now. Um, but I mean, the, the, literally the Bronzo was like a double retail watch, right. which was <laughs> – but so – and now like if your brand does not have an over retail watch, you, you're, you're a loser. Like even longer. Even longer. I mean have we seen – well, have we seen the, any of the Odysseus trade? I have not, have and I've them? tried. I think, I think they're over retail. I've tried to buy them. I have not been able. Nobody's to Nobody's selling. Them. Nobody's selling them, which is interesting. See, that's the mark of a great watch, where the demand is would put it over retail, and nobody is fucking selling right. those watches. Yeah, the only longer that sells over the retails are the Lumens. Okay, that's right. They did. That's they right. did. When I uh, back those in those days, those that was the strongest yep. longer was the Luminous. Um, and see, my question is because we've—it's been very quiet from the Richard Mill world. But I've seen, for example, I've seen a Richard Mill that last month would trade for ninety-five. I sold—I know—I know for a fact because the guy tried to buy mine. I, could, I couldn't beat—I couldn't get low enough. He bought one for seventy-two thousand dollars. Right. Showed me the receipt. Yeah, no, it doesn't so, surprise me. I've had a conversation with a couple of dealers who said that they're. The problem with Richard Meal at the end of the day, and I met with him in 06 and thought it was really cool stuff and couldn't choke the pricing then. It was a third of what it was because I was like, who would buy this and not buy a paddock or a longa? Right. Uh, little did I know. Um, but then you've got, it became literally 75% of the production was being sold to dealers and held by dealers. And they would just trade it among themselves. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, I saw the same thing happen in the jewelry world before when I was doing this. The natural pearl market, the same thing happened. Natural pearls went up 300% in three years, but it was all dealers just buying from each other. And like at the end of the day, there was no end consumer who would pay that money. And that's what I think happened with Meal. I mean, they were cool watches, but you know, there was no reason for them to be over retail when they were 200000 already. Right. Yeah, it's an expensive. It's watch. an expensive so watch. Think, it's going to be over. So I don't. I think that's going to take a big hit. Really, yeah. but so even even if say when it's all said and done, we have a crazy bull market and we get to at least where we're at, we were at just a month ago or more. Like we have like a crazy bounce back. You think that Richard Mill still? I think it still here. takes. People are going to come to their senses. Well, I don't know if it's come to your senses, but you're also going to think back to, like, people are going to. It's a little bit of a wake-up call. It's a little bit of a reality check. It's like, hey, now I'm sitting home with my family, and I'm like, you know, do I really need, you know, a watch that is $500,000 because, you know, five guys decided it was <laughs> to show off? You know what I mean? And it's right. not really under – it's not like it's a 5208 paddock. 
that's like the best mm-hmm. pate they've ever made and they only make a certain number of them and it's a company for a hundred and something years and you know there's a history to it it's kind of like uh, a, fl- a lot of reasons to buy that watch right. is what you're saying right. whereas the Richard Mill there's only re- one reason to buy that watch it's just to show people how rich correct it and I think we might lose some of that which wouldn't be a bad mm-hmm. thing I don't think no, yeah, like a, like a little bit of a correction would be would be nice. Maybe it, that'll help some of the other brands. And I, so th- that's the other thing I want to ask you. So companies like Richemont, companies like um, LVMH, Swatch, and, and even like like a even though it's not a conglomerate, but Breitling, like a huge watch manufacturer. Right. So like first of all, how many people are buying watches through retail right now? Like I say, like for a Breitling, like we're Breitling dealers. I like. I like a lot of their brands, but like they don't hold a lot of value. No, you know maybe they overproduce whatever it may be, or a lot of their watches. But uh, you know, what's going to happen to these? So say this last six months, right? What do you think is going to happen to these? They're going to lose brands with yeah. conglomerate. I think you will lose brands. I mean, we already saw you know Romain Jerome go down. We saw that's right. We saw um, that lady's brand as well. I mean, there's a couple of brands, um, and it's typically what happens is again. Rising tide lifts all boats. These small brands mm-hmm. that didn't have capital, that really didn't have a following, it's going to be tough. And I think you'll lose some of the smaller brands. They'll at least get bought out. Right. Um, I think that can definitely happen. I think Richemont obviously has the pockets to do whatever they want. But, like, you know, already a brand like Bomber Mercier had been relegated to, you know, almost only mm-hmm. online. Um, I think that you're going to have some challenge with brands, without a doubt. And again, I think it's the brands that don't have, and I'm going to go back to that passion word. It's like, I know you're a Panerai guy. Mm-hmm. I love, you know why I love Panerai? You look at Panerai, mm-hmm. you know it's Panerai. You know there are yeah. people who are designing it and building it, who have studied every piece of DNA and that they believe in what it is. Like, I look at a brand like Jaeger, and I don't know if it's a Reverso a squadra a master mm-hmm. a, it's just all it's almost like a shotgun it's like I feel like there is 10 guys in a boardroom <laughs> making a decision as opposed to somebody who's passionate about it who knows what their brand wants to be and I think if your brand if you, you don't know what your brand out. wants to be I think you're going to struggle I think without a, without a doubt a brand identity is super important for a watch a watch brand in order to survive, and that's that's why Jorn I think has become so popular is because they have a singular identity. Singular identity, and again, but also across the one room, maniac, one <laughs> maniac. But I can sit at a cocktail party and look across the room and be like, that guy's wearing a Jorn. Yeah, and I can do that with Longa, and I can do that with Panerai, but it's like Rolex, Rolex for sure. But it's like AP, yeah, AP for sure. But once you, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. It's like. Uh, you know, it's like, is the Jaeger an IWC or is the IWC a Jaeger or is, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe they should come Maybe they should or put Tim Masso in charge of, yes, in charge of their brand. That would but help. you know, you see what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, I think you've got to have that directive and also retail is, I think the biggest thing that's going to come out of this virus is are people in three months going to go back to a retail store? I think people are going to be, not. well, I think you're going to be, one, some people are going to be scared. Two, what are they really offered? I think, you know, when you go to most retail watch stores, and you've done this, I've done this, you go to try to talk to somebody, most of the guys, you know, were selling shoes last week. They don't really yeah. have passion. They don't know their product. They don't, 
want to have a relationship. They just want to try to make that commission check. And yeah, I think they don't know anything other than that they'd really like to sell exactly. you. Exactly. That's what they're that's exactly <laughs> what they know. Is they know that I really want to sell you this watch. But it's like uh, I think people are gonna get tired of that and I think people are now getting forced to be online all the time. It's like I watched my kids mm-hmm. the last two days um, be in three different rooms all doing, you know, distance learning. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, yeah. like, do we really think in five years they'll be going to buildings again? I don't know. This might culturally change us. This is definitely going to change our shopping habits. And I think, you know, oh, yeah. it, this is, honestly, this is a little self-serving because, God, we sit in a building on phones and computers <laughs> with a bunch of guys who are more yeah. passionate about watches than any place I've ever seen. And I've been around. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, I think we're going to end it on that note. That was a, that was a great speech. We're at just over an hour. So, um, yeah, man, it's... Uh, I think that it's going to be wild. Uh, the next few weeks is going to be strange. I can't. I, I, so we've been selling actually pretty well, but I have to assume that that's going to slow down at some point too. Like, you know, that that we're going to reach kind of capacity at the guys who, who want. to Yeah, buy no question it, about it. But I buying. think you will get. I think we're going to have a lull, yeah. um, and then you're going to have again in another week or ten days, the boredom is going to set in. Right. It just has to. I mean, I'm I've been home three days now, and I'm looking out the window. <laughs> oh going, yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm calling you for God's sakes. I mean, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know you're bored. Hey, shit. what are you doing? <laughs> you call me. I don't know. What are you doing? <laughs> oh God. All right. Well, fantastic, man, Joe. So well, thanks um, for having me, man. You, this was uh, great fun. It, it, do you want people to reach out to you on social media, I would or like that, or you... love it? I mean, you know. Okay. So what do you want? Do you have an Instagram or do you have something that people can can, can I find? I have Instagram and they're Mike Banjos. It's real easy. Okay. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on, you know, I'm pretty reachable. And I love okay. this stuff. And hopefully we'll put this out there with all the contact stuff because, yeah, no, I'm again, again, I love to talk about watches. And, I mean, that's mm-hmm. one of the problems I have is I would do this all day long. Yeah. Which is great wow. fun. You and me both. All right. Cool, guys. Well, cool, uh, yeah. Appreciate it. Fantastic. Absolutely. Talk to you later, Banjos. Okay, thanks. Bye. 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 Bye.